would this morning, and um, if you put up our first PowerPoint, how many of you would agree with me that sometimes in our walk with the Lord, it seems like we take two steps forward and one back? Two steps forward and one back. Come on, somebody. And uh, God formed us, sin deformed us, the Bible informs us, and Jesus transforms us. Come on, somebody. And it just seems like we go through cycles and we go through things and the battles and the trials of this life. And again, we take one, uh, two steps forward. It seems like we take one back. It seems like the enemy's always fighting us. So today, I really felt like the message that I entitled, Dreams, Decisions, and Dilemmas. Dreams, Decisions, and Dilemmas. Now, the Bible talks about in the last day, the scripture teaches us that old men will have dreams. How many of you would say it's good to dream? And I'm not just talking about a dream that you have of a night when you go to sleep. I'm talking about something that you're dreaming about God using you to do, something bigger than, uh, th- than something bigger than you are. Martin Luther King, as I've said many times, had a dream that not only changed his life, but it changed the nation. Come on, somebody. And he got a nation to begin to think differently. And, and uh, God's dream for your life is always bigger than your dream. Why is that? Because he can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. Come on, somebody. And that's who God is, okay? So we need to rediscover God's dream for our lives. We need to rediscover God's plans for our lives. And God has some good plans for you. And uh, we're going to talk about that this morning. But before we go into the actual steps in discovering God's dream and plans for your life, we need to look at the biggest dilemmas. Uh, are barriers that will keep you from God's dream, that will keep you uh, from fulfilling God's plan that he has for your life. So the number one dilemma to your future is your past. I'm going to say it again. The number one dilemma to your future is your past. The number one dilemma for your future is your past. You say, Pastor, what do you mean by that? We must remember the past is the past. The past is the past. But a lot of people, they want to live in the past. Can I get a witness? How many of you have ever been around someone and all they're doing is talking about something that happened to them years ago? Something that happened in the past. Something that happened back there. I mean, they go back there. They go back there. They go back there. Well, if you're continually going back there, it's going to be hard for you to go up here. Come on, somebody. To where God wants you to be. You can't live in the past. So therein lies our dilemma. The past is over. On the count of three, I want you to say that with me. One, two, three. The past is over. Say it again. The past is over. And you've got to understand that. You've got to realize that. You've got, and, and you've heard me say that so many times, but we have to continually remind ourselves of that because we want to go back in the past. We want to go back and dig up some old bones. Come on, somebody. And, and Jesus has forgiven us from our past. Come on, somebody. Jesus wants to, us to recover from anything that's happened in our past. You can't live in the present and prepare for your dreams for the future if you're living in the past. Come on, somebody. You, you can't do that. So the, the message today is dreams, decisions, and dilemmas. And it's all about your future, what God has for you, your destiny. And I believe everybody here has a destiny and a future that God has just stamped upon your life. And, and, and we need to understand that. So 
You see, some of you may be thinking, well, I had my chance. I, I missed God's dream. Uh, you may think because of my past failures, I shouldn't dream again. But you're wrong because all of us fail. Somebody say amen. amen. Now, now, here's what God's word teaches us in James 3, 2. Look on the screen if you would. And here's what God's word says to us. And we need to look and we, we need to not only look at that, but we need to take heed to it. It says, we all stumble in many ways. On the count of three, let's say that together. One, two, three. We all stumble in many ways. Say it again. We all stumble in many ways. Now, I looked up all in the Greek. You know what it means? That's right. All of us stumble in many ways. Every one of us. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Can I get a witness this morning? You say, well, I haven't sinned. Well, you're a liar. You have sinned. You know, the Bible says you sin. We've all sinned. Come on, somebody. So we've all stumbled in many ways. So, uh, you know, if we're going to, God's going to help us to recover our dreams, we need to concentrate on our future and not on our past. Ecclesiastes says it this way. It says, there is not a single person in all the earth who is always good and never sin. Somebody say amen. And then another scripture, Romans 3.23 in the Living Bible says, Yes, all of us have sinned. Everyone falls short of God's glory. So our God's dreams for our lives, we all stumble. Amen? Bow your heads with me. Bow your heads with me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, your word teaches us that we all stumble. Help us, Lord, to recover our dreams and to concentrate on our future and not on our past. Help us, Lord God, to restore those things that the enemy has taken away from us. We pray in Jesus' name, and everybody said, So I want you to, to notice again, too, in Luke 19, 10, Jesus said, I have come to save and restore what was lost. See, some of you have lost some things. Some of you have had some failures. Some of you have had some things in the past uh, that's really hindering you from your future and the destiny that God has for you. What is lost when we sin and fall short of the glory? What are some of the things that we lose? Well, we lose our vision. We lose our plans. We lose our dreams. We lose our hopes. And, and, and a lot of valuable stuff is lost because of many times the poor decisions that you and I make. Can I get a witness? We make some poor decisions. How many of you have made a poor decision? Let me see your hand. Okay, I'm in the right church. The Bible gives us clear, a clear pathway of how to get back on track in restoring God's dream for our lives. So let's look at some steps to recover God's original dream that he has for us and getting back to that plan, that original plan that God has for our lives. Number one, write this down in your notes. Number one, honestly accept responsibility for my poor choices. Honestly accept responsibility for my poor choices. Now, we, we must own up to all the dumb decisions that we've made. And let me tell you something. I've made some dumb decisions in, pa in, my, in my past. You've made some dumb decisions in your past. Nobody forced you to make those bad choices, but sometimes, you know, we just, we just did that. We, we made them. James 2, 3, we all stumble in many ways. So we can't blame other people. We want to put the finger on somebody else. But folks, when the finger comes right here, it starts with us. Come on, somebody. We, we got to start with ourselves. We made some poor choices, and we all have done that. You know, no, nobody's perfect. So there's four common causes why Peter stumbles as seen in Peter's betrayal the night before Jesus goes to the cross. And in your notes, we're going to look at that, okay? So uh, 
we're going to look at those four causes there. And Jesus even predicted the betrayal. And he said to Peter, Peter, you're going to deny me. And Jesus, how many of you know the Lord knows everything? And he even knows when you're going to fail. And so how does he, how, how does he accept that? How does he deal with that? Well, first of all, he said to Peter, I'm praying for you, Peter. How many of you know the Lord's praying for us this morning? The Bible says that Jesus ever liveth, sits on the throne this morning. The Bible says he ever liveth to make his intercession for the saints. Come on, somebody. So God, is, Jesus is praying for you this morning. So in your notes there, if you want a first one to write down there, the first one up there, A, is, uh, is pride and arrogance and ego. Pride causes us to make some dumb decisions. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like we're thinking about we're something. Come on, somebody. Uh, you know, and, and, and we see this in the upper room, and they're taking communion, and Jesus said, one of you will betray me. Now, now here's Jesus. He turned the water into wine, who raised the dead, and he's making a statement. He said, one of you is going to betray me. And Matthew 14, 29, Peter pipes up. Peter puts his foot in his mouth again. Come on, somebody. Everyone else may stumble in their faith, but I won't. I won't do it. Me. I. Won't happen. People who brag about their confidence must be the one, are usually the ones that fall short the fastest. Come on, somebody. And that happened in the life of Peter, if we'll look at that. Proverbs 11, 2 says, pride leads to disgrace, but humility leads to wisdom. Humility leads to wisdom. So if you really want to know something, what you need to do is humble yourself before God, and God will show you things you need to know about yourself. And we need to take a look on the inside of ourselves. Come on, somebody. Anytime you start thinking that you're, going, you're not going to stumble, this can't happen to you, think again. Because it can happen to you. Given the right situation, any of us are capable of sin. And if you don't believe that, you're in trouble. Come on, somebody. You've got to realize you will stumble. You can stumble. You can fall. It doesn't matter how strong you think you are. There, there is a weak area. Uh, there's a clink in, 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 in the armor somewhere. Come on, somebody. And you can fall at the right time, at the, given the right situations. You can fall, and you need to understand that. As we look at this, as we see this, if you don't believe that, you're in trouble. So the first one is pride. The second one is fatigue. When you're tired, when you're stressed out to the limit, when you're vulnerable. Vince Lombardi said fatigue makes cowards out of all of us, and it does. Somebody say amen. It does, okay? The more tired that you are, the more fearful you become, and the more controlling you'll be. Uh, you know, because fear, how many of you know fear grips our hearts? And folks, let me just say something right now. And I, I believe we need to pray for this uh, coronavirus, and we need to just pray and believe God. But let me tell you something. You don't need to let fear take a hold of your heart. And I, I tell you, you know, and, and here's the thing you need to, uh, you know, I'm not saying you need to take it lightly, but what I'm saying is some people go too far and extreme on something, and we need to realize God has everything under control. And we, you know, none of these diseases will come nigh thee. In other words, we just as a church, we need to stand up when we need to pray. Come on, somebody, and just believe God. None of these things will come. Psalms 91, none of these things will come nigh thee. And you just need to believe that. You need to pray that. I'm not saying take, I'm, take it lightly. We need to do everything we need to do. But at the same time, we don't need to fear. Come on, somebody. 
because fear has torment. Hello. And you don't need to fear. Jesus goes to pray in Gethsemane, and before going to the cross, Peter, James, and John went with him, and Jesus is saying, I need you here with me. I need the ministry of presence before I'm crucified. Jesus is praying his heart out. The Bible says great drops of like great drops of blood. Luke records the disciples, what were they doing? They were sleeping. They were sleeping on the job. Think about that. Mark 14, 37, Jesus wakes them up and says, Could you not stay awake with me for one hour? So what's happening here? They're tired, they're fatigued, they, they're stressed out. They're just, you know, of all the things, the drama and all the things that are going on. How many of you know a lot of drama and things going on can just wear you out? Stress you out, and that's what happened here. When you're tired, you're going to make poor choices. Come on, somebody. And if you're tired, I'm going to say never make a, a major decision when you're tired. You don't need to do that because you're probably going to make a bad choice. Come on, somebody. So never make those major decisions when you're tired or depressed. Why? We make bad decisions. Number three, number three, look at this. Fear of disapproval. Fear of disapproval. Our first thought is, what's others going to think? What's others going to think about this if I make this decision? That will cause you to make poor decisions if you're always thinking about what other people are going to think. Can I get a witness? Matthew 14, 54, Peter followed Jesus at a distance. Peter followed Jesus at a distance. Anytime you follow Jesus at a distance, you're going to make some dumb decisions. You, you, you've got to get close to the Lord as you can. Come on, somebody. And, and Peter had always been very close to Jesus, but now he wasn't. He, he was following at a distance. Are you doing that? Are you following God from a distance? Well, I'm a Christian. You're going to make some bad decisions. You may be a Christian, but you're going to make some bad decisions. How many of you know we need to get close to the Lord? Come on, somebody. And not follow from a distance. And that's what, you know, that, that, that's what happens when you have fear of, of disapproval of, of other people. And it happened in the life of Peter. All of these things are happening in the life of Peter. We're giving you this example this morning. Number four. Look at number four. Short term pleasure short-term pleasure put that on the screen this morning go to the next slide so fear of disapproval and then number four is short-term pleasure uh going to bed at night and eating a banana split is not a right decision somebody say amen that's not a good decision you might say man i like to have a banana split right before i go to bed no 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 don't do that don't do that to yourself can i get a witness that's uh, that you know Short-term pleasure. But it would be so good while I'm eating it. I know it would, but short-term pleasure, it's a bad decision. Can I get a witness? Okay? So when people spend uh, their money that they don't have on a credit card, buying things that they don't need uh, to impress people they don't know, come on, somebody, that, that's short-term pleasure. It's like, well, I could, I could buy it now, but you know what? We've got a class here that, that you need to go to. Uh, that Dennis Goki is teaching on Wednesday nights and at Financial Peace University. How many of you know God's plan for you to be out of debt? And there's some, there's some choices that you can make along the way. You say, when do I start? Start now. Come on, somebody. You don't start later. You start now. And, and uh, you know, with my children and, and, 
And my family, you know, I, I've taught some of these things, and we're seeing some of these principles working in my family's life, not only in mine, but in their lives as well. It needs to work in the church. Come on, somebody. So, short-term pleasure. Sometimes making bad choices. Why? They want it now. So, if you put up with pain now, you can have pleasure later. It's called discipline. Come on, somebody. So, you discipline. You know, you discipline. Yeah, yeah, you can do that. Someone says, you know, uh, you know well, I, could, I could do this. Yeah, you could do that. But, you know, do you want to do that? Is that the best thing to do? Is that the most, you know, is that wisdom? Is that short-term pleasure as far as I'm concerned? So you put up with inconvenience now and save money now, and you'll have more pleasure later. Can I get a witness? So, so you know, you, you've got to balance that out. Matthew, or I should say Mark 14, 5, and, uh, says Peter then set... Peter then sat with the guards and warmed himself by the fire. Now, Jesus has been arrested and tortured, and what is Peter doing? He's warming himself by the fire. Why? It was convenient. It was convenient. It was comfortable. Peter is putting comfort before character, and we will do that if we are looking at short-term pleasure. You know, how many of you know, someone says, you know, how many of you know there is a pleasure in sin? Somebody say amen. There's a pleasure in sin for a season. It's a short-term thing. You know, there is a pleasure there. But how many of you know it's a long-term consequence? Come on, somebody. So we need to think about that. Do I want to do that? No, you don't want to do that. It was convenient for them. It was uh, comfortable. And Peter, Peter is putting comfort before character. Any time we do that, we will make uh, bad decisions. Everybody say bad decisions. So dreams, decisions, and dilemmas. Jesus wasn't surprised by Peter making those bad decisions. Jesus told Peter this in advance. Jesus knew Peter was going to betray him before Peter knew it. Come on, somebody. I know you're going to betray me. So how did he react to that? He even tells him before the rooster crows three times in the morning, you are going to deny me. Jesus is not surprised by our failures or our dilemmas in life. In Luke 22, 31, Jesus said this, Simon Peter, Satan has asked to test you, but I have prayed for you that your faith will not fail. So when you, are, uh, when you have repented and recover, I want you to strengthen the other disciples. Here's some things that we need to know. First of all, the, the Lord knew that Peter was going to fail. Somebody say amen. So what did he do? He prayed for him. He prayed for Peter. He prayed that he would be strong. And not only that, Peter, I want you to be strong. And when you recover, when you recover, when you recover, and you are going to recover, Peter, I want you to strengthen the brother. How many of you know that's what we need to do? Amen. We need to go do that very same thing. And that's what the, the lesson we get here. This is a powerful verse that teaches us a lot about our failures in life. Jesus knows every failure before it happens. And how many of you know he still loves you? He still has your destiny in mind. He doesn't cut you off. How many of you, how many of you are glad that God is not like us? Mm. Well, that speaks volumes right there. And Jesus will pray for you before it happens. His job now is to make intercession for us. And the things that you will fail at this year, those bad decisions, Jesus has already prayed for you. Jesus is interceding for you right now. 
He loves you. He wants you to succeed in life. If you believe that, say amen. So we are to take these lessons of our mistakes and help somebody else. Can I get a witness? So number one, how is it? You know, here is why Peter needs what Peter learned, and we need to learn too. Is honest, honestly accept responsibility for our poor choices. Number two, write this one down. Humbly ask for God's mercy and forgiveness. Humbly ask for God's mercy and forgiveness. We see that in, in Psalms 51. We see David's prayer of confession after he had murdered a guy because he wanted the guy's wife and then, and then committed adultery and murder. You know, he, here was, a, here, here was a, a, a guy in the Old Testament that he loved God. The Bible says that, that he was a man after God's own heart, yet he done those things. He stumbled, he done those things. And, and, and let's just read it. Let's look at the scripture here this morning. It's in your notes there. It says, David, prayer was, have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love. In your great compassion, your great compassion, please wipe out the stain of all my wrongdoings. Wash away all my guilt and cleanse me from my sins. For I am haunted by the failures. There's the word failures. And I can't forget, uh, forget the evil things I've done. See, see this is a prayer, of, a prayer of confession that David is making after he realized what he has done. I know you love complete honesty from my heart. So help me see what's deep inside me. He wanted to know what's down in there. Then create a new pure heart in me. Renew my spirit with the right desires and restore the joy of my salvation. Then, I notice this, then. Everybody say then. then. See, he's making a prayer of confession. And I, I'm going to, if you'll do this, God, then I'm going to do the next thing. Notice what he says. If you'll do this, I'm going to do this. Then, help me out. I'll help bring others back to you too. Because I know what it is to fall. I know what it is. I've made this failure, and I know how, how you can step into the failure. And because of that, if you will forgive me, oh God, then I'm going to help others. I'm going to go out and help others that's made these same mistakes. I'm going I'm to be like you, God. I'm going to have compassion and love and mercy and help them uh, in, in the mistakes that they made. So in this passage, David asked God to do eight things. And you, too, can ask God. He said, first of all, have mercy on me. Secondly, he said, wipe out the stain of all my wrongdoings. Third, he said, wash away my guilt. Fourth, he says, cleanse me of my sin. Fifth, he says, help me to see again. He's blinded because of sin. Sixth, he says, create a new heart within me. And seven, he says, renew a right spirit within me. And then eight, he says, restore the joy of my salvation. And again, when you fall, when you fail, you can ask God for these things. Somebody say amen. amen. You too can ask God to do that, and he will do that. This can be your prayer of confession and forgiveness. And notice, David says, then I, I'll bring others back to you. Lord, if you'll do this for me, this is what I'm going to do. I mean, I'm going to show you what I'm going to do is in my heart to go out and help others. You know, that's exactly what Peter did. Come on, somebody. 
Remember when he stood on the day of Pentecost and he preached the message and he said, well, you men look like they're drunk. He said, these men are not drunk as you think they are. But this is that which the prophet Isaiah said. In the last days, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Old men will dream dreams. Young men will see visions. There's going to be a restoration. That's what he was talking about. So notice, too, these things David promised to do are the same things that Jesus tells Peter to do. And Peter, after you have recovered, strengthen your brothers. And that's exactly what he did. He was the mouthpiece of the church. He was the catalyst that was used to bring others to God. And you know what? God wants to use you today. Somebody say amen. You say, use me, but I failed. That's, that's how he really wants to use you if you fail. Come on, somebody. Because you can go out and help others. And notice, too, these things David promised to do are the same things Jesus, uh, Jesus tells Peter to do. So who could better help someone with pain of a broken relationship than someone that's had a broken relationship? Can, can you hear me this morning? Someone's had a broken relationship. You know, they can help somebody else because they know the pain. Come on, somebody. Who could help someone on addiction than someone that's had an addiction? Come on, somebody. You can help someone because you've been there, you've done that, you've got the T-shirt, you know what it's like, and you can help others to recover. Can I get a witness? Amen. Amen. If you've been through an addiction, you're the best one to help others. There's no plan B for your life. God has a plan A. He doesn't have a plan B. He has a plan A. You say, well, well, I fail. He still has a plan A for you. Come on, somebody. He don't, we don't put you in the second rate, uh, second class. Come on, somebody. Anybody ever fly TWA or whatever? See those pe people up in first class and you wish you was there? Come on, somebody. Man, I, I'm eating crackers. They're eating steak up there. <laughs> How many of you know God doesn't have second rate? Come on, somebody. It doesn't have a plan B. Well, you failed, Jimmy. You're in plan B now. No. He says, you're still in plan A. You come right back to the head of the table. You're still in plan A. I still have a plan for you. 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 Plan A. God wants to restore everything the enemy has taken away from you. God wants to give it back and more. But I've made a lot of mistakes and failure. You're still on plan A. My mistakes are part of God's plan. This will set you free if you can learn it. See, God can take your failures and turn them around and make something good out of it. All the time. You'll start dreaming again. You'll quit thinking that you're not worthy or whatever. Romans 8.28, I love this, and many of you know that I've said this before, my favorite scripture in the Bible, and we know, everybody say we know, that God causes everything to work together for good to them who love God, who are called according to his purpose. So what is everything? The good, the bad, and the ugly. God just says, wait a minute, I... Well, that's, that's bad. We don't know. No, I'll take the bad. That's ugly. I'll take the ugly. I'll take you just the way you are. How many of you know God can recreate us? He can make us again. Remember the $6 million man? Anybody remember that? That's going back a few years. We can rebuild him. 
We've got the capability of putting him back together. How many of you know God's got the capability of putting you back together? And making you even better. God can use your failures to help you fulfill your dreams. He, he, he has that for you. It's not all good. You know, everything that comes your way in life, it, it's not all good. There's some bad things that come down the path. Can I get a witness? Some of you, you know, you, you've suffered some things. You've went through some things, some bad things. But you know what? God can even take that ugly, bad thing and turn it right around and make something good out of it for you. That's my God. Somebody say amen. amen. That's what my God can do. My God's capable of that. Remember, when we give God all the pieces of our lives, <laughs> he can give us a peace that passes all understanding. You know, in the midst of the storm, he can give us peace if we'll give him the peace, the broken pieces of our life. And say, God, here I am. Here I am. Here I am. God expects me to use my failures and troubles and my trials to help others. Whether someone else brought them on themselves or whatever they did, it doesn't matter. Because it didn't matter in your life. God can still take your failures and he can turn them around and make victory out of it. That's the way he is. Somebody say amen. Third step in rediscovering God's dream for your life. Number three, gracefully accept God's amazing grace. Gracefully accept God's amazing grace. And forgive myself. See, you know, sometimes we'll, we'll forgive others, but sometimes we don't forgive ourselves. And you have to forgive yourself. I mean, you're just beating. How many of you have just got into a situation where you just beat yourself up? You don't have to raise your hands, but we've been there. We just beat ourselves up because of some dumb decision that we've made. But what we need to do, we need to give that to God too. Somebody say amen. We say, God, I'm going to give you that too. I've made some poor choices here. And I'm going to give that to you too. Ephesians 1, 7 says, Christ sacrificed his life's blood on the cross to set us free, which means that all our sins are now forgiven. God did this because of his generous grace to us. And then Romans 8, 1, New Living uh, uh, Translation. So now there is no condemnation to those who belong to Christ Jesus. What if I feel guilty? No. This is from the devil. Somebody say amen. Well, you know, I should feel guilty about that, shouldn't I, Pastor? No, you shouldn't. Because there's no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. You say, well, yeah, but I've stumbled. Well, we all stumble. And what you need to do is confess that just like David did, just like Peter did, and you need to go on. Somebody say amen. You confess it to God, and, and, and you give it to God, and, and you don't have to accept the condemnation that the devil wants to throw upon you. Some people know God has forgiven them, but they can't forgive themselves. How many of you know you need to forgive yourself too? If you're forgiving somebody else, why can't you forgive yourself? You need to forgive yourself. What are you saying? You don't believe in the power of the cross that forgives the sins? He can forgive you just as well as he can forgive someone else. Not forgiving yourself is a sin. You're saying, I don't believe that the cross paid it all. He paid that too. He paid for your sins. He paid for the sins you're going to commit tomorrow. Somebody say amen. Wow. Think about that. Think about that. I don't believe I'm totally free. I, I, I still have to, to pay it all. No, 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 no. 
This brings me to the next statement. Why does sin, why does sin not invalidate God's dream for my life? Because three reasons. I, I should say several reasons. But number one, there's no sin that invalidates God's dream for your life because, number one, Jesus already paid for all my sins. Jesus already paid for all my sins. Now, we're, I, I'm going to give you some scripture here, and you need to look at it. 1 John 2.2 2 in the message says, When Jesus served as a sacrifice for our sins, he solved the sin problem for God, not only ours, but for the whole world. Everybody say the whole world. Not only ours, but for the whole world. When Jesus died on the cross, he paid for the sins you haven't even committed yet. 1 John 2, 1 says, little children sin not, but if you do. Everybody say, if you do. If you do sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, who lives forever to make intercession for the Father. Let me tell you something. Jesus knows that, you know, uh, if, if you're going to sin tomorrow, he knows if you're going to sin tomorrow or not. You know what? He has that covered as well. He has it covered. Now, I'm not giving you a license to go out and see it. I'm just saying that, that somewhere along the way, you, you're going to miss God's mark. Somebody say amen. Yes, little children sin not. That's what the Bible says. Little children sin not. But if you do sin, God has made a provision for that sin. Jesus has paid it all. Somebody say amen. amen. He died on the cross. He paid it all. Jesus has already paid for your sins. There's no reason you need to pay for them. That is called double jeopardy. Hello? If Jesus has already paid for them, you can't pay for it again. That's double jeopardy. No, 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 a thousand times no. This is saying that Jesus wasn't enough, that you have to do something else. And the reason we take communion is to remind us of the sacrifice that Jesus made. Come on, somebody. Do this in remembrance of me that I've taken care of all of that for you. And all you have to do is come to me. Come on, somebody. You come to me, and you humble yourselves. You come to me, and you realize that I've paid for your sins. So the reason we take communion is to remind us of Jesus' sacrifice. And the second reason there is no sin that invalidates us is God's dream for your life is because God's goodness isn't based on my performance. It's not based on your performance, what you can do. God's great goodness is based on the fact that God is a good God, period. Somebody say amen. amen. Nothing we have done. And it's not based on the fact that we deserve it. It's because God is a good God and he's good to us. Titus 3, 5, look at the, what the word says. He saved us not because of the good things we did, but because of his mercy. It is because of God's grace and mercy. Come on, somebody. That's the reason. It's because God's grace and mercy. And, and you know what? I, I don't understand that grace. It's probably, I, I wouldn't do what God does. And thank God, uh, you, you're, you ought to be glad that I'm not God this morning. Come on, somebody. And I'm glad you're not God this morning. Come on, somebody. But his grace and his mercy, it, 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 our minds cannot fathom them. There's no sin that invalidates us, God's dream for your life, because, number three, God's calling and gifts are given unconditionally. God's calling and gifts are given unconditionally. We talked about this last week, that God has called every one of us and, uh, to a certain dream or a ministry or a calling. And God has given you certain gifts, and 
to fulfill that calling. He's given you certain tools and to equip you to, for that calling. And these gifts are unconditionally given to you. In other words, God gives you something to do the job. And he, you, you accept that, okay? And this is the reason why a person no longer serving God still can operate in the gifts. Uh, and don't shout me down this morning. This is scripturally sound. This is Bible-based. God gives them a gift. And how many of you know they can use it wrongfully? Come on, somebody. And they will stand in judgment for that. And, and you know what? Uh, <clears throat> God is a God of judgment, but he's also a God of long mercy, long suffering and mercy and, 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 and willing that all should come to repentance, you know. And, and, and some of us is quick, uh, you know, quick to judge. Come on, somebody. There will be a judgment day that God will judge some of those. You say, well, you know, how can that person do that? You know, how, how can they do that? They're, they've got this gift. They, you, know, they, you know, well, God gave it to them, and they're using it in the wrong way. You can use it wrongfully. You'll stand in judgment for that, but you can do that. So, you don't work for them, folks. They're called gifts. Something you didn't work for, it's gift. You know, you, you can't work for a gift. Come on, somebody. Now, now if I, you know, if, if Dan was working for me, went to my house today and working for me doing some things, and, and afterwards I'll say, here, Dan, I ha have a gift for you. He says, well, that's not a gift. I, I work for that. You're not giving me nothing. <laughs> I work for it. <laughs> Are you feeling me this morning? So God gives you gifts. But there's nothing you did to get that gift. Come on, somebody. No, nothing. You, you don't deserve it, you, but he gave it to you anyway. Romans eleven twenty nine 29. For the gifts, for God's gifts and his call are irrevocable. They can't be withdrawn. God's dream, God's plan for your life is irrevocable. There, there's no plan B for your life. Come on now. It doesn't matter how many times you blew it, it's still in effect. Anybody here heard of the three-strike law? Some of you have heard of that. Pastor, what is that? In 28 states in the United States, it's in effect to criminals with violent crimes. It's like in baseball, three strikes and you're what? Three strikes and you're not getting out. You go to jail, you're not getting out. The third time you've done this, sucker, you're in there to stay. 28 states in the United States has that law. Three-strike law. How many of you are glad that God doesn't have the three-strike law? <laughs> I'm glad. Whatever dreams, plans God originally had for you is still in effect today. Shout, somebody. Amen. Shout amen, somebody. Amen. I, mean, I mean, God has that in effect for you. You say, well, I blew it over there. It doesn't matter. You can blow it again. It doesn't matter. You, you can come right back. So the fourth reason, there's no sin that invalidates God's dream for your life. Number four, generously forgive those who've hurt you. Generously forgive those who've hurt you. We want forgiveness, but sometimes we don't want to forgive others. There are three things that will keep you stuck in the past and keep you from living God's dream. Now, if you haven't got anything out of the service this morning, you need to listen up real carefully because I believe there's a lot of you sitting here this morning.
that you're affected by this right here, what I'm about to say. There's three things that will keep you stuck in the past, living God's dream for your life. Number one, grief, loss that's in the past. You've lost something in the past, and you can't get over it. Guilt or sin in the past. A guilt or a sin that's in the past. Grudges or hurt in the past. If you let grief, guilt, or grudges come into your life, you'll miss God's dream. Somebody say amen. So the number one dilemma to your future is your past. Your guilt, your, your grief, and your grudges, they're all in the past, and you need to keep the past in the past. You need to keep it back there. And you know, well, somebody hurt me, they, and they'll probably hurt you again, and you need to keep going. Somebody say amen. Don't let that keep you from your destiny and your future, what somebody's done in your past. Come on, somebody. Matthew 6, 14. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive, your heavenly Father will not forgive you. Don't say amen. Say ouch. Think about it. Well, I can't forgive that person. Well, God said I can't forgive you. See, you've got to lay some things down yourself. Come on, somebody. You've got to give some things like, like David did, you got, or Peter did too. You've you got to give it to God. God, I, I blew it. I, I failed. Forgive me. And God says, I'll forgive you. But I'm not going to forgive this person that done something to me. And God says, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Did you remember what I said? It's all conditional. If you forgive, I'll forgive. That's good preaching, whether you say amen or not. What he's saying here is we can expect to receive what we are willing to, to unwilling to, to give. We can't expect to receive what we are unwilling to give. We can't expect to receive what we're unwilling to give. You've got to let the people who hurt you off the hook. Well, I can't do that. You better learn to do That's right, Jimmy. Good preaching. You better learn. Everybody say, you better learn. It's where the rubber meets the road in our relationship and walk with God. That's what I said. You, you can be around someone just for a little bit, and you can hear something that they're talking about in the past, and you know they still have something in the past they need to let go of. You need to let the person off the hook because God let you off the hook. There, there's a lot of stories I could go this morning in, 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 in the New Testament tell about things that, that happen like that where uh, someone that forgiven debt and, and, and God forgave him his debt and he went out, he wouldn't let forgiven someone else's debt. And what God do to that person? You unmerciful person, God said to him. You don't for, I forgave you and you won't forgive them. So as long as you hold on to your grudges or resentment or hurt, thinking that you are hurting them, and sometimes that's what we think. We think because we're holding on to our hurt that we're hurting them. They, don't, they, don't, they haven't thought about it like you thought about it. You're the one that's been hurt by it. They haven't. Thinking that you are hurting them from your own bitterness you're going to be stuck in the past. On the count of three, I want you to say this with me. Your past is a past. One, two, three. 
Your past is the past. Say it again. Let them off the hook. Well, pastor, that's hard to do. That's the reason you need the Lord's help to help you do it. God, will you help me do it? I'll do it if you'll help me do it. Those people can't hurt you anymore unless you choose to let them from your memory. You can let the memory of that hurt you. Or you can let it off the hook and say, God, I'm letting go of it. And then you begin to walk towards Jesus. The fifth reason, there's no sin that invalidates God's dream for your life. And we'll close on this one. Courageously face the future with faith. Courageously face the future with faith. In Job 11, Job gets some of the best advice in recovering a dream of what he has lost. And I want you to look at this. Look at that scripture. Put that on the screen. As you look up on the screen on that, it says, Devote your whole heart to God. Reach out to him in prayer for help. If you get rid of the sin in your heart and your home, you will face the world again without shame, and you'll be strong and free of fear. Then you'll forget your past troubles. There it is. Like water under a bridge. Your life will be brighter than noonday. Even in darkness, you'll shine like the morning. And now you'll have courage because you will have hope. You see, we could spend the whole service this morning unpacking this verse here. And we can't do that. We don't have time to do that. But you need to read and reread it again. If conditionally here, if we do these things, you'll face the future again. In other words, you're just going to turn around to the past just long enough to deal with it. Let somebody off the hook. Forgive somebody. That grudge, that, that, that bitterness, that, that, you know, and to get better and to face your future, these are some of the things that you have. Here's the point. The Bible is full of people who had a second chance. Somebody say amen. amen. And God turned their lives around. Why? Because they were willing to forgive somebody just like he forgives they were willing to do that, and, and you've got to do that. God is a God of second chance. Don't have the third strike. We don't have that third strike law. God is not in that business. Abraham, the father of faith, lied to the king and traded Sarah off, saying, tell, tell him you're my sister. He may kill me to save my sister. And he was, going to take, he was going to take Abraham as his wife till God spoke to him in a dream, says, you touch that woman, you're a dead man. And he, gets, he gets upset with Abraham. What do you tell me that's your wife? God's going to kill me. Why don't you tell me that? I was afraid. Moses murders a guy. Jonah's, uh, Jonah runs from his assignment. Noah gets drunk and embarrasses himself. Come on, somebody. All these things are in the Bible. You say, that happened in the Bible? Yes, it did. Not only did Noah get drunk, he embarrassed himself rudely. Come on, somebody. Rahab was a prostitute. David committed sins and had a man killed for his wife. And every one of those I mentioned are in God's hall of fame in Hebrews chapter 11. They're in the Bible. God's not ashamed of them because God forgave them. He forgave them. He gave them that, that, a second chance, and they turned their lives around. Folks, let me tell you something. It's not how far you fall. It's when you get back up and start walking again. 
I'm going to go for God. I'm not going to stay down anymore. I've been knocked down, but I have been not knocked out. I'm going to go for God. Amen. God loves to give second chances. Somebody say amen. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close on this, this verse here. Uh, worship team, come back real quickly. Just for a couple minutes, we're going to worship. We're going to, we're going to go eat some soup here in a little bit, but just a moment. Isaiah 43, 18. Forget the former things and do not dwell on the past. I like that part there. And do not dwell. Help me out. On the. And do not dwell on the. And do not dwell. Now, he didn't say you couldn't look back like a rearview mirror, but don't dwell on it. Don't dwell on the past because it's not going to help you. Come on, somebody. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it will spring up. Do not uh, uh, perceive it. I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create streams where there has been wasteland. How many of you want God to do a new thing in your life? How many of you are ready for something new? How many of you are ready? Oh, I love new stuff. How many of you love new stuff? I just love smelling new stuff. Come on, somebody. I love, uh, I, I love going to car uh, dealers and opening the car and just taking my head in and smell of that new car. Are you getting me now? And that's the way God wants to give you some new things in your life. Not some of that stinky stuff. We don't have to hold our nose in life. Come on, somebody. We can be new. I said we can be new. Are you feeling me this morning?